Welcome to Freeman on Real Estate, the podcast about the hard facts behind what's going on in real estate. Realtor Mike Freeman of Coldwell Banker, who holds an MBA in finance, draws from his financial background and deep network to bring the most value for anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest. Hey, it's David Yaz here at the Boston Podcast Network alongside me, Realtor Mike Freeman. Thanks for returning to another episode of Freeman on Real Estate. How are you feeling today, Mike? Doing great. How are you, Dave? Good. Good, good. You had a brief hiatus in the podcast. We do that sometimes as podcasters do that in the summer. Glad to have you here back. Thanks. It's great to be back. So today we're going to begin with the topic that if you're selling your house or even thinking of selling your house, you're going to want to start to take notes or just listen to this podcast over and over again. How to get your listing show ready. So you've you've made the decision already that you're going to sell, right? But there are various steps that you get to and you need to, I mean, you need to do this right because you want to put your best foot forward, I take it. These are things you're going to tell us. So what's the first thing you need to think about? You listed your house. How do you get it ready to show? So the first thing I do when I go into a house is obviously try to assess the situation in terms of have the sellers taken care of the house? Have they already done some things like declutter and stage? And in my experience, it's run the gamut. I've had houses that are in really bad shape, need absolutely everything. They're dirty. They are like walls are half painted. And if you brought in somebody that day, you'd be pretty embarrassed and you don't even live there. (laughs) But then I've also had houses which need absolutely nothing done. And the the owners have taken care of the house. They've staged it, or that's like how they live, which is even better. And so it really runs the gamut. So when I meet with somebody, that process takes place. But the very first thing that I recommend, if they have a septic system, and a lot of, most of my houses do, is get a Title V. They're good for two years. The first thing you want to know is, is your septic system going to pass or not? Because if it doesn't, you're looking at a $35,000, expense. And I've had that several times where people didn't know that that was going to happen. It was an older system. They didn't maintain it. They didn't have somebody come regularly. And then it's delayed two months. And it's So when you say, expense. sorry, just to clarify, Title V is the regulation that governs septic systems. And so how... Tell us how you actually go about that. Is there a website you go to? Is there a phone number you call to get it started? And I mean, a lot of people may not even know anything about their septic tank. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. And we'll step back a second. So you're right. The state of Massachusetts requires a state requirement, state law. It's called Title V. And in order for a house to sell, it has to pass Title V. It's one of the things that's required. Typically, the seller takes care of it. Not always but it does need to either pass Title V or have a plan that the town will pass it ultimately when there's a new system in place. So one of those things has to happen. So typically the first thing that I do is tell people, call a septic company. Here's a company I work with. Here's a couple of others. If you want a couple of other referrals, call this company, have them come in, and have them do a Title V inspection for you. So you have no idea at that point. I mean, hopefully hopefully you've maintained your system. You've had it pumped every couple of years, not to get too much in the detail. <laughs> yeah. And 
it's going to pass. And it usually takes a couple of weeks because it's a pretty lengthy report. It's like 10, 14 pages long. And I actually have one that's tomorrow. Mm. So that's the first thing because it's good for two years. So people are going to want to know sooner rather than later if they have that big of an expense. Right. Now, you, if it doesn't pass, it, are there a number of things that could be wrong with it? Or it? Yeah. So first, there's a situation. The worst scenario is it's a complete failure. The entire system fails. And mm-hmm. there are different reasons that it could. Not to get too technical, but a septic system can't be like just a standalone cesspool. It has to have something called a distribution box and a leaching field, et cetera. Mm. So if it's a cesspool, it's an automatic failure. I've had that. And if the different components of the system are not working properly, it's a complete failure. But what I've also have is a conditional pass. And that's one of the things we can check off on MLS where maybe there's just one part or one component that isn't working. And the um, septic company will then have to come back and repair that piece, and then you get a pass, mm. and then you get a Title V pass. But if it's a complete failure, you need to hire an engineer. You need to hire not just a septic company, but you need to hire somebody who's um, eventually going to dig up your yard and then replace the grass. And that's another requirement. You have to replace the grass, mm. or the town won't give you what's called a certificate of Um, compliance. Mm -hmm. So a new system will require a certificate of compliance, not a Title V. Title V is for an existing system. Got it. So Mm. they're good for two years. It's the very first thing people should do. Mm. Then there's some other things that people are probably more familiar with, like decluttering and home staging. So those usually go together. And I have people that I recommend for both of those things. And they charge their own fees. They're the pro- professionals that I work with that are, I know what I'm good at and I know what things are not my area of expertise. And those are two things where I want to bring in a professional and have them go and meet with the, the homeowner and say, this is what I think. And it's also good because it's not me coming in and saying, you know, that the house doesn't look good and you have to get rid of that or you have, this room is a mess. It's someone else doing it. So it's also like good from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And these are people that are expert at getting your help. I mean, it's one person's clean is maybe another person's uh, not so clean, right? So yeah. they have experience in getting this ready for the specific purpose of selling. Are they actually doing the cleaning up or are they telling you what to clean up? Or is it like when the cleaning lady comes, you want to clean before the declutter <laughs> shows up? Or? So it's, it's interesting and it's a mix. So typically what the declutterer does is she does do both. So... She comes in and she tells you what she thinks needs to be done. But if you need help, she'll come in with her people and she'll do it. Okay. She'll do it for you. But you don't have to do that. Home stager, same thing. She comes in, she'll do a pretty detailed consultation with you, give you a pretty detailed report. And I just did this myself. And then you decide, you go room by room. And this is where I can help my people decide as a realtor what's worthwhile based on what condition I think the house is in, and then they have to make the decision on what they want to spend the money on. It's not necessarily bringing in new furniture, bringing in new paintings, but for some rooms you may want that. And I did that for my own house. I wanted some new furniture in my master bedroom and in the family room, but the other rooms I didn't need it. So for both of those things, they're not necessarily huge expenses. And when people hear those two 
words decluttering and home staging, they'd assume that it's going to cost them a fortune, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily. It could it could easily be here are some things you should do that I recommend as a professional, not me, the home stager right. and the declutter recommend because they know what it takes to get a house show ready. All right, All right. So you've done that. You've 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 decluttered. You got your title five. Are there other things you need to be wary of? So there are some things that you can do that most sellers don't, especially in this market where it's still a seller's market. But there's still some th- there's still other things that I recommend and that I did myself when I sold my house. So one of them is you could do a pre-inspection. And what you can do here is you can hire a home inspector yourself and not wait for, wait for the buyer to do it. And if you're selling, it, you know, it's relatively short money. It's six or $700.00 relative to it's probably 1% of what your house is going to be worth, if that. So some people do that in that way. Not only does it allow them to perhaps fix some things, repair some things that a buyer would bring up, but it takes them off the table. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is it prepares them so that if a buyer comes in and says that something's an issue, they know up front already whether or not something's an issue and it may come down to that a buyer says well such and such is a problem we want you to fix but you as a seller may say well i had somebody look at this too and here's why it's not a problem so it can really help you in a lot of ways as as a seller Mm. the the other thing you can do and i always recommend that people do what i would call cosmetic work so if something's not necessarily huge repair if there's painting Maybe you want to do your floors, hardwood floors over if they're in really bad shape. Right. Those are some things that I recommend that people do. I don't recommend, sometimes I have clients say, should I put in a new kitchen? Yeah. Should I put in a new bathroom? They're really old. They're really bad shape. And I say, yeah, you haven't updated them maybe in 30, 40 years, but I don't recommend that you spend a fortune of money on those things unless you're going to enjoy them yourself. Will it make my job easier? Of course it would. But, but I don't think that that's not how I operate. And is it not, is it not, it's gotta be a cost benefit analysis, right? I mean, if you're, if you're going to spend $20,000 to update a kitchen or a room, I don't even know how probably cost more than that these days. I don't know. But, but um, like, are you sure you're going to get ba- that back in an additional purchase of the, of the home, sale of the home, right? So, and I guess that's not always guaranteed. Exactly. And that's usually what the homeowner will look at and they'll ask for my advice. And what I say is it's really impossible to say that your house is worth, say, 600 if you do nothing and 630 or 650 if you do X, Y, and Z. It's my best estimate, but I don't have a crystal ball. I could be wrong. So that's why what I say to people is two things. One is you're probably not going to get a hundred percent of your return, a hundred percent of, of the expense that, that you put out there, which is why I don't recommend anything major unless the homeowner themselves is going to enjoy it. You're going to build a new deck, spend at least a year there. You're going to put in a brand new kitchen. And, And the other thing is what if you spend, you're right. Kitchen does cost a little more money. What if you spend 30, 40, 50,000 on a kitchen and it looks beautiful and the buyer comes in and says, oh, I don't like black granite, I like white. <laughs> right. Or I want quartz, or I want a different backsplash. So you could have a beautiful kitchen, a beautiful bathroom, and then you spend all this money, and it's not to the buyer's taste. Right. Maybe you get three offers, and it's not to any of their taste. So Some of those buyers would have rather 
you done nothing. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's what I tell people for major things that probably couldn't prefer that you do nothing you sell it as, as is. But if you can say that the house is freshly painted inside and out, if I can say that in a listing and it is, and it's a wow factor, people walk in and they can tell if a house has been taken care of, you don't even need your inspector usually to tell if this pride of ownership, which is a phrase that we use a lot. So I recommend doing that cosmetic work, repairs, painting, maybe you want to redo the hardwood floors, things like that. But the way I typically operate is, you know, if we get down to the, the nitty gritty of, of the timing of when a house gets on the market, what I normally do is I have my home stager come in one day to do the staging. I have my photographer come in the next day. And then the day after that, I get the photos and ready to go live. So it's literally three days in a row that we can go from nothing to having a staged home that looks beautiful with professional photographs, not me on my iPhone camera. Right, right. So, and by the way, you, you mentioned a couple of things here. The person who does a pre-inspection and... Is that a separate professional from the ones you've already talked about so far? Someone comes in and does that? Yeah, so, yeah so that would be an actual home inspector licensed by the state of Massachusetts, which okay. you would use as a home buyer, but the home seller could do the same thing and bring in their own uh, home inspector to do the exact same thing that you would do if you were buying a house. And then this cosmetic stuff, I take it we're just talking a handyman, a contractor, or someone like that. Do you have people that you recommend for that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to say that I have a very broad referral network and you say it in your intro. So I, <laughs> I do, I do. I have people who, you know, and landscape is another thing that I didn't mention that I wouldn't recommend that you spend 20 or 30,000 on landscaping, but I do recommend that you have somebody come in in the spring and get rid of all the leaves from the fall and put in some mulch, maybe depending on what it look, looks like and prune some trees. And I consider that to be cosmetic. So yeah, I have people who I recommend who do the hardwood flooring to do, maybe you need a, maybe you need a couple of repairs on the roof. You don't need a new roof. Maybe there's a couple of places where the shingles lifted so I can have a roofer come in. And the other thing is I can have people come in in like a day or two. And so there's something that I feel like I offer my people, uh, my customers. And a lot of times they say, how in the world, when in this in this current situation, this current phase we're in where it takes months to get somebody to come in and do the work, you can get somebody to come in like two days later. And so that's what we do. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, there's one other product that we meant that um, I want to mention that we offer Coldwell Banker because people might be sitting here thinking about this and saying, I have so many things I need to do, even if it is just this cosmetic work. And even if the septic system does pass, and maybe they don't want to incur all the expenses for painters, for landscapers, for handymen. So we have something called Will Banker called Real Vitalize. And it's actually through Angie, it's formerly called Angie's List. Now it's Angie.com. Mm. And you'll get a coordinator through that program. And for whatever occupations you need, again, it could be a painter, it could be a landscape, it could be all of those things. And they'll give you two or three people that they recommend. And you meet with those people and you do whatever you need to do. You interview them, you look at their recommendations online, and then you make a decision on who you want to use. The, the biggest benefit to using Real Vitalize is you don't pay anything until the house closes. So 
revitalize pays the contractors, the painters, the landscapers when the work is done. But you don't have to pay until after it closes. So when I sold my house, I actually did a mix. I used revitalized for certain things. But then I also used my people who weren't necessarily part of that program because they were so good and I just wanted to go with them. I didn't want to go through the whole Angie process. So it's a great benefit that we offer. And I mentioned to all of our customers and a lot of people will do that. In fact, one person had a new septic system they need to put in place. And there's a perfect example. It's a thirty, $40,000 expense that you're not expecting. So it's a great opportunity to use Real Vitalize and not pay for a septic system that could cost $40,000 until it closes and then it comes out of the proceeds. So, and that must take away a lot of headaches people we have because you could get overwhelmed with having to keep track of hiring this professional, that professional. They all, they're all on different schedules, that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's why they either have me to coordinate, and you know, I use house cleaners as well. I have a professional house cleaning company. They either use me and I coordinate the whole thing for them and I'll be there as well to meet the people who are doing the work or they have a coordinator, Real Vitalize, who's going to do essentially the same thing. They won't actually be there physically, but they coordinate the whole thing. So, so either way, you don't have to be the one who's worried about every single step. And um, you, you're going to be the one signing the checks and signing off on the work, but you're going to have things taken care of for you. Is it true you should bake cookies the morning of the showing so that the house smells like cookies or is that a myth? So I don't do that. <laughs> okay. Because I don't know how to bake. <laughs> Um, some people do. It's, yeah. It is still done by certain realtors. I know really? people who do they it. They really do it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. People That's do funny. it, and maybe I should for an op- <laughs> for an open house, especially they'll ask the seller to bake brownies or yeah. cookies or something. You but, could make it easier on yourself and get one of those Glade air fresheners and it won't smell like cookies, but it'll smell good. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, maybe I should do that. I, I usually <laughs> recommend that you get some classical music playing. I like that. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, why don't, I think this is a good time, Mike, to remind people how they get in touch with you because they may want follow-up information on all this stuff and how do people connect? So you can connect with me by phone, 617-759-1513. And you can call anytime and hopefully I'm awake. If I am, I'll pick up. The other way is to email me at mike.freeman, F-R-E-E-M-A-N, at nemoves.com. Very good. And I'm sorry, did you mention the website? website. I did not. Thank you for reminding me. I have a website, MikeFreemanHomes.com, and you can not only only find a lot of real estate content, but you can also find these uh, people who do these different occupations that we talked about in this episode. You can find a list of people that I recommend. Very cool. That's, that would be helpful, I imagine. So terrific. Well, we are up against the clock here, but we do have time in this episode to learn a little bit more about the man behind the real realtor, the man behind the realtor, the man behind the realty. Learn more about the man in this edition of More About Mike. More About Mike. More About Mike. More About Mike. Now, it's no exaggeration when I tell you that Mike Freeman is one of the biggest Celtics fan that I know. We've probably talked about this before on the pod, but are they your number one Boston team? Or I, I put the Patriots first. That's first. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Me too. But 
you're you're far more than a casual Celtics fan. I follow you on social media. You always have astute comments. You're you're very raw and honest when it comes to the Celtics' <laughs> failings. And uh, the buzz of the Celtics is still in the air, even though they were sadly eliminated in the conference finals in heartbreaking fashion. So we have to do a Celtics postmortem with Mike. First of all, what was your reaction to the whole series? It was to me, it was a roller coaster. But I really had no idea they were going to fall on their face like they did in Game 7. What, what was your reaction? I felt the same way. Yeah. There are certain games in that series where they fell on their face. Mm. There are a couple games where they look great. Yeah. And coming home after winning three straight and chance to make history, yeah. uh, the most telling comment to me, the best summary of their performance, was when at halftime in Game 7, Charles Barkley said, I just can't watch these dumbass Celtics. <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't believe he said that on live national TV. Yeah. But it, it summed up exactly what was going on because we're all sitting there. I'm sure you were as well, mm -hmm. Dave. You're watching them, and they're just hucking up three-pointers. They're not moving the ball. They're not playing together. And it's it's so easy for us as fans to see that. Why can't they? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the I guess in their defense, you could say they're doing the same thing that got them there in a matter of speaking. Don't get me started on the three-pointer, man. Their game plan relied too much on it maybe that's staying the obvious there are there are a lot of games this year i'm sure you saw this in, including the playoffs where they took more threes than non-threes and it's crazy larry bird he's not dead but if he was he'd be rolling over in his grave <laughs> it's like i mean yeah. can you imagine larry bird playing in this league now and just sitting back there shooting threes yeah so. i i mean i guess he would but yeah he did a lot more and maybe he knew when to pick his spots maybe that's why he was a good three-point shooter these guys it's just i mean i'm waiting for the day when a coach says all we're going to shoot is threes yeah because the, 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 it might work <laughs> if it you're might. on that day yeah yeah I, and i think with the celtics people you hear people a lot of times saying they lived and died by the three and that may be true but i think the difference especially in game seven is that they didn't work the ball around and then get a good three-point shot they just brought the ball up the court and put up a three right they, they didn't pass the ball. Maybe there was one pass. And so that, to me, was was the big difference. That, And you and I both coached. We taught this to the kids when they yeah. were in third grade. Work the ball around. Yeah. Make good passes. Get a good shot. Yeah. Where does this rank in terms of Boston heartbreak? People said, Celtics, this never would have happened in the Larry Bird era, to which I said, it actually did happen in the Larry yeah. Bird era. And, well, almost. I mean, in 82... The Celtics fell behind 3-1 to one to the Sixers, came back and tied at 3-3, and then got blown out in Boston Garden by the Sixers. But I got I got I need your thoughts, Mike. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a great example because they won game six in Philly and then lost games. And just like yeah. this year, the Celtics won game six in Miami. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge disappointment, but we don't have to look much further back than a month and look at what happened to the Bruins. Yeah. The Bruins, that's worse. Even worse, yeah. Both teams lost to an eight seed, right? But the Bruins did it in the first round, and they had the yeah. best regular season record of all time. Of all time, yeah. Celtics, they were number two. They had a very good regular season, but they didn't win sixty games, and they um, at least took it to seven. Yeah. So it was it was very disappointing. I put it pretty high, but yeah, we don't need to look any further back. Um, than the Bruins from a month ago. From if you that compare, was even worse. You're right. yeah, if you yeah. compare expectations to what right. ended up, I mean, that might be number one act. That probably yeah. is number one. Not of all time. Of all time. Well, for Boston, in terms of like, Buckner, Dent, but at least they made the World Series. 
Yeah. Well, with Dent, yeah. no. Dent, they didn't make it. No. But to me, a lot, Matt, depends on how things happen. The Buckner thing is the most obvious example because if it does history judge it different if Mookie Wilson hits a clean base hit instead of the ball going through Buckner's legs? The fact that it went through our first baseman's legs was a symbol of futility. Derek White, who just had that great moment right. where out of nowhere yeah. saves the season with the putback, right. that would have been remembered. Now it, it might not get remembered, right? right. No, you're right. So. It's, there's so many other factors. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I believe if that, if that was a clean line drive hit by Mookie Wilson, then, yeah, I mean, completely it's, different. It was, this, it was a symbolism of, yep. and it was the last play of the game. Goes yep. through his legs, That's right. walk off of the Mets, game over. Yep. So we promised the postmortem, so... What do you think they need to do, the Celtics? So I'm not usually a proponent of, I'm not usually reactionary and say, oh, you got to blow the team up and it makes for good sports radio. But I actually think they need to because this team has been together for a little bit now and there have been multiple disappointments with the, the Jays leading the team. Mm-hmm. And I really think they need to make some major changes. I think Marcus Smart should be traded I've never been a fan of his. He's kind of a lightning rod. You either love yeah. him or hate him. I think that they're going to have to trade Tatum or Brown, and most people say Brown. So I think they need some major changes, and I'd like to see someone like a Carl Anthony Towns come in, maybe for maybe for Brown. Yeah. What I, do you think? I don't know. I, I don't follow them as closely as you do, so I respect your opinion more than anything I could say. But Tatum is an amazing player. Right. I, I don't think he's quite Larry Bird, but... He might be Kevin McHale. He might be, like, right. literally that valuable. Great. Jalen Brown has moments where he looks amazing. And other times, moments, he looks kind of average. Right. I mean, he had eight turnovers in Game yeah. 7. How does one guy uh, yeah. have seven? Sorry, one guy have eight turnovers in a Game 7? It's it, amazing. It's amazing. What do you think about the coach, though? So that's an interesting one. And he's obviously a young and experienced guy. I think that... I would keep them because if you don't, you're looking at four coaches in four years. Yeah. So unless the players go to management and say that they think he's a poor leader or that there's certain things that they don't think he's the guy, and you had a lot of guys doing that on the team, not that I think the players should be making the decisions, but I would want their feedback. Unless it's, like, very negative, I would bring them back. Four coaches in four years is ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I, I would bring him back also, first of all, because people were very quick to criticize him for failure to take timeouts in the playoffs. And maybe they're right. There probably were some moments where he could have done that better. But if you're going to kill him for a few little tactical decisions in the playoffs, you got to give him credit for the, the first three months of the season, whatever, right. when the team could have gone totally south with their coach abruptly removed from the picture, right? Yeah. And the guy's... What is he, in his 30s? He's like 34. <laughs> He's closer to our kids' age than our age. What the hell? Oh, <laughs> Maybe something like bringing in Sam Cassell helps that, which yeah. they, you know, they just announced. So maybe that seems like a pretty good move. I mean, we never know because we're not in the locker room. But yeah, you think? I, yeah, I think that's a really good addition. He's a, a former champion for two different teams. Yeah. I think three championships, including one here. Right. Seems like a really smart guy and somebody Missoula can lean on. Yeah. So I think, and, and one, of the, one of the things on Missoula is you have to give him some credit for the fact that they came back from three to nothing. You yeah. Can't, you can't tell me the head coach had nothing to do with that. Right. Well, we're not going to serve 
solve all the Celtics problems today on the show, but Joe Mazzullo, Wick Grossbeck, everybody down there on Causeway Street, hope you're listening. I'm sure they do <laughs> listen to Freeman on Real Estate, of course. So we thank you for listening to Freeman on Real Estate. A reminder that this podcast comes out every other week, so look for it in two weeks for the next episode. Mike already gave you all his contact information. We will put it in the show notes and go to MikeFreemanHomes.com to get in touch. And Mike, why don't we go ahead and give out your email address just in case people miss it. Sure. Mike.Freeman at NEMoves.com. Very good. Thank you for joining us. Remember to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your shows. And we thank you for listening to Freeman on Real Estate. Enjoy the day, everybody.